you're listening to CITR F102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we hear? Who do we have in right now? Who's on? Who's there? It's Eddie J. Who are you, Eddie J? Eddie J is a crazy Vancouver record collector. Uh, could you please explain what we just heard right now, Eddie J? Well, we're going to do the uh, Zero Records story. So uh, the Zero Records uh, company was uh, a Vancouver, B.C., Canada company that was originally formed by Don Grashy and his partner, um, I believe it was uh, Don Williams. And, um, well, these guys decided they were going to uh, form a, a, a company in, in Vancouver. And, of course, uh, as soon as you do that, you need money and backers because you want to have money to spend and uh, you got to have backers with money. So um, Don was uh, trying to raise some cash. And um, one of the things that he was telling prospective investors was that he had a bunch of records or, or uh, artists and songs that were unreleased. And, of course, uh, what we just heard there was one side of Zero uh, One Hundred One, the very first Zero record. Uh, but he fudged a little bit because uh, that record had already been released on the Wonder label, and Wonder was a subsidiary of NRC Records of Atlanta, Georgia. So here we have a Vancouver, Atlanta, Georgia connection. Zero was most famous for? Well, for Loretta Lynn. The, the first is, record she put out. And we're going to have Rob phone in, who is doing a talk about Loretta Lynn in Vancouver at a chicken coop on the show as well. That's right. Actually, um Loretta Lynn's career began in a chicken coop. In Vancouver, B.C. Actually, Canada. Uh, wasn't that in Burnaby, South Burnaby, I think, to be specific. And we will find all about that from Rob, who is also going to give a talk next week all about Loretta Lynn and a chicken coop. So in honor of the chicken coop, you've brought in all these releases on Zero Records, the first record label of Loretta Lynn, and we're going to play all of them, aren't we? Well, we're going to try. Yes, we've got the chicken coop scoop for you. Right now, what do we have coming up? And are they Canadian? Um, this this first uh, record uh, by um, uh, Orilla Mayer, she was um, um, from from back east, um, New Brunswick, I think, but uh, the Maritimes for sure. And we're going to play the other side of her very first record. Uh, we played Give a Little, Take a Little. We're going to play... Gonna spend my time. The zero record story. And and these are uh, these cuts were written by Don Grashy himself um, with his writing partner. Um, let's see, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Vic uh, Williams. Vic, Vic Arnone, I believe it was. So here we go with the zero record story, brought to you by DJ Eddie J. Not hearing uh, it. No, we're not hearing it. Uh, let's, maybe if we could just mention a bit more. Oh. This is not coming through. You do, all of the, 
I don't know what you're doing, Nardware. It's not happening. We actually, I think we are not hearing the. We need an engineer. <laughs> Help! We are Help! Not, we are not. Ed, while I get this entirely, f when I get oh, let's. Ed. I did the classic. <laughs> I did the classic problem. The engineer was me turning up the volume. I had the volume down. So we are just hearing through the headphones. But if you could introduce one more time. It's been so long I've, since I've been on the air. I was trying to tell Nardware to get one of those sliders up, you know, and I just couldn't remember the word slider. It was the word slider. Course, so here we go on zero records. That's the volume control. You what know? do we have right now, Aurelia? This is Aurilla. Aurilla Bears. Uh, this is going to spend my time. Take two. Take two, yes. Gonna spend my time to make you mine, make you mine, we take some time, but I'm gonna spend my time to make you mine. I'm gonna find the thing to do, the thing to do, so I'll win you. I've gotta find a way or two to make you mine. Gonna work from overtime just to find a way to get it. Stay. George, it 
you are still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with guest DJ Crazy Ed. What did we hear there, Ed? Okay, we um, let's see, we heard I'm Going Crazy uh, by Gene Mack, and I think Gene Mack was an American, um, so the, the first American to, to land on the label. Don't know anything about Gene Zero Mack. Zero records, let's well, reiterate that. Yes, of uh, 0103. Um, we're, we're playing them in order. Um, so, uh, actually, uh, there is a Canadian connection to the record. Uh, the, f- the flip side to that was written by Hal Willis. Uh, and Hal Willis was, um, uh, a Canadian from, uh, Quebec. And before that, we heard Brad Reynolds, uh, from Vancouver, BC, Canada. And, um, Brad Reynolds did a thing called Georgie Porgy. Uh, Brad Reynolds had uh, BC's third hit record. Uh, the very first would have been um, um, oh, Bluebird, Bluebird. Let's see. I don't have this written uh, down. Brad just was on Zero over, Records. Over and I was curious, did head. Zero Records on the label mention Vancouver? Bluebird on my uh, Bluebird on your windowsill um, was was the first uh, hit record out of Vancouver. Um, that was covered by Doris Day and was a huge uh, pop hit, number twenty. Uh, the second big hit record out of uh, Vancouver was My Home by the Fraser by uh, Carrie Regan, and Brad Reynolds in nineteen fifty two had a big hit record with Spruce Bug. And the spruce bug was eating up all the spruce trees at the time. Sound familiar? Did this mention Zero Records, Vancouver, B.C.? No, it never said that on the label. You know, when I first became curious about the Zero label, I was asking um, senior record collectors, uh, oh, where was the Zero record label from? And one guy told me it was from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and another guy told me it was from L.A. Actually, the Zero records were pressed in L.A., all except one. And we're going to have Rob phone in shortly talking all about the famous Loretta Lynn from Zero Records playing at a chicken coop. If Loretta Ed didn't play a chicken coop in Vancouver, there'd be no Loretta Lynn? Well, we don't know that. Yeah, it's, this is, uh, you're talking about the difference between fate and destiny. And um, the, the only one that knows that is God. You know, was she was she fated to be a star or was she destined to be a star? Can't answer that. Right now, we're going to play some Brad Reynolds. Yeah, we're going to play uh, Brad Reynolds' second record on the Zero record label. This was uh, Zero 104, and it's called uh, Buy Me One of Those. And Brad was also uh, uh, wrote his own tunes, by the way. With guest DJ, Eddie J. <laughs> Cheeks of red, a deer from head to toes. Oh, daddy, buy me one of those. A little girl just walking by with a sweet turned up nose. Oh, daddy, buy me one of those. Now, if I was a millionaire, hey, well, I knew just what I'd do. I'd buy a little girl like that and I'd keep her all I through. I'd love her and I'd please her. And bring her to all of the shows Oh, daddy, buy me one of those Now daddy sure was worried 
and he said, now listen, son, a lad of four should never talk like a boy of 21. You should be playing with your daughter, playing with your toys, or else be playing with a ball like the other little boys. But the lad turned up his little nose and looked so doggone sweet, and it broke his daddy's heart to hear his little boy repeat. A dimple chin and cheeks of red, a deer from head to toes. Oh, daddy, buy me one of those. A little girl just walking by with a sweet turned up nose. Oh, daddy, buy me one of those. Now, if I was a millionaire, I know just what I'd do. But I buy a little girl like that and I keep her all I through. Bring her to all of the shows. Oh, Daddy, buy me one of those. Oh, Daddy, buy me one of those. What's his name? As Lucille. What's his game? As Lucille. Does he plan to stay around? Day wondering 
You're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with guest DJ. With guest DJ. Lady J still. Talking all about the Zero record label from Vancouver, BC. Well, I've got a big reveal. That last record was on a Zero record subsidiary, the jury label, which uh, lasted for exactly one record, and we just heard it. And that was by um, Sandy Loringer. Now, Sandy Loringer goes on to record many more records, but that was the only one under her own name. Is she from Vancouver? Yes, she was born in downtown Vancouver, she tells me, on uh, February 25th, 1942. Is she related to the sports guy, Clancy Loringer? I didn't ask her that because I didn't think of that because I don't know Clancy from Adam. Well, we must ask Adam. Rob because Clancy hung out at the Coop. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you'd think that maybe there could be a relation. She opened for the Mills Brothers and the Four Lads at the Cave. Um, I got New Westminster there, but I, I did op- open mics uh, there. And uh, she sang commercials as well. Anyway, she did a whole raft of records as by Sandy Shore. Um, still related uh, to... Um, to uh, Don Grashy's label, and uh, My Little Spark of Love was uh, written by Vic Arnone, um, Don's uh, writing partner. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Caller. Who are you, Caller? I'm Rob Howitson. And we also have in the studio, who do we have? Crazy Ed. Ed Lasco. So, Rob, who are you, Rob, first off, right off the bat? I'm a freelance writer in Vancouver who has become very interested in the history of the city. And you are here to unravel the mystery, or you have unraveled the mystery of the chicken coop. Now, Ed Lasco, DJ Ed Lasco, what did you just play? Because I had a question for you, actually, Rob, regarding this artist that we played. Who did we just play, uh, um, Ed? Sandy Loringer. Is there a connection to the coop, Loringer, to the coop? Absolutely. Uh, Sandy's aunt and uncle, uh, Mac and Irene McGregor, owned the property on which the chicken coop was situated. And uh, Sandy, as a young singer, met Don Grashy, and she invited Don and his business partner, Chuck Williams, to come to the chicken coop one Sunday afternoon and listen to a jam session, and that's where they saw Loretta Lynn. And that's how come she ended up on Zero Records. That's right. You didn't know that, Ed. No, I didn't. Thank you very much, Rob. You're welcome. Oh, when did you, Ed, first hear about Rob and the coop? When did you first hear about the coop? I think um, there was an article in the paper, Rob. Yeah, on the Vancouver Courier back in 2012. Wow. Had you heard rumors of the coop before, Ed? Um. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right now, my head's spinning. <laughs> I'm just trying to try to keep up to this dance that we're doing here. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Can't answer. Because Rob, when did you first come in contact with Ed? When did you first meet Ed? I guess it was a couple years after I wrote the article for the Courier. Um, well, did you do another piece? Because I think I contacted you after I read something. Really. We have a website, uh, honkytonkgirl.ca, where we've put up the whole story about the chicken coop. 
And the coop story is very intricate. You're actually going to be doing a full discussion about the coop next week, right? That's correct. At the Fraserview branch of the Vancouver Public Library, Saturday, November 18th at 2 p.m. Could you get a bit of background on the coop? Like Loretta Lynn, we have been playing a lot of releases from Zero Records. What is the connection between the coop and Loretta Lynn? Yeah, so... And um, Zero Records. Right. Um, well, we know that uh, Don Grashy was the uh, president of Zero Records. He wasn't the money man. He was the music man. The and that's music. how you got into the coop, like how you discovered the coop by reading Dr- Don Grashy's book. That's right. And it took me a while to get to his book. I, it actually started... The whole adventure started for me walk, when I was walking down the lane behind my house. I live in Fraserview, neighborhood of Vancouver. And uh, there were two old-timers who uh, were chatting with me. They pointed to a backyard on the block, and they said there used to be a chicken coop in that yard, and the Loretta Lynn played there. And I thought they were kidding me. I went home, and I Googled Loretta Lynn chicken coop, and up came this Wikipedia page about Don Grashy. And eventually I was able to get hold of Don Grashy's crudely self-published autobiography, and he laid out the whole story of Loretta Lynn. And what was Loretta doing in Vancouver? She was in Custer, Washington at the time, but what was she doing? Like, how come Loretta was in the Northwest at all? Okay, so sometime around 1949, when she married Doolittle, um, they left the impoverished state of Kentucky, and they came to Washington State because they thought there'd be better job prospects. And they lived in Washington State, in Custer, as you say, for about 11 years. And, And Loretta, I think, had four kids there. And during that time, she was trying to get into the music business. And the country music scene in the Pacific Northwest didn't recognize the border. It spilled over into Canada, and musicians traveled freely back and forth between B.C. and Washington. And Loretta was looking for any place to play a gig. And when she heard about these jam sessions at the Chicken Coop, uh, she just showed up. Um, excuse me. I've got a note here. It says, uh, Johnny Zapp, um, a.k.a. Zaplotinsky, first met Loretta, Loretta Lynn circa 53 at the Wagon Wheel in Blaine, Washington. He invited her to jam at the Chicken Coop, where yeah. she was discovered and signed by Don Grashy. I definitely think that, well, obviously, Johnny Zapp uh, knew Loretta, and uh, I think that's my theory, is that Johnny Zapp invited Loretta to play at the Chicken Coop. Johnny Zapp liked to organize these jam sessions. Some of them were at the Chicken Coop. Some of them were in Surrey at a place called the Yorth Road Hall or something. And even Red Robinson knows about that. And, um, I, yeah, I do think that Johnny Zapp was sort of the connection that... Uh, yeah, Johnny Zapp was a there. big mover and shaker at the time. Um, he got um, country-western music into the legions. So That's he, right. What's really interesting is people can actually, in Vancouver, go to the location of the coop, and there is actually a plaque. Like, you have arranged for a plaque to be where the coop was? That's right. Uh, right across the street from where the chicken coop used to stand, there's a little plaque that was placed there with the help of the Vancouver Heritage Foundation as part of their Places That Matter program. 
And this is where Loretta Lynn was discovered. But, quote, for some reason, Donald Thorsteinson says, for some reason, she does not, he was, I think, a bouncer at the Pastime Tavern in Blaine, Washington. For some reason, she does not acknowledge her time at the Pastime. But something must have happened there that she wants to forget. Maybe only the money that she earned was from the coffee urn. And another interview, quote, Lynn rarely mentions the story about the chicken coop to journalists. Why is that? This I'm not sure. <laughs> and this is a question that is, uh, I've been pondering for years now. Um, she, she, she will admit that she remembers playing at the chicken coop, and um, she remembers Don Grashy. She she mentions Don Grashy in one sentence in her 1976 autobiography, Coal Miner's Daughter, um, which was a bit of a snub because Don Grashy did quite a bit for Loretta. He, he took her down to L.A. and had her record at Western Recorder Studio, which was the then state-of-the-art studio on the West Coast. And um, So from the chicken coop to Gold Star. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean... Uh, the way Loretta remembered her first recording session, the way she writes about it in her book, uh, she really messed up some facts. And uh, my theory is that she prefers to um, credit the money man for Zero Records, Norm Burley, uh, for discovering her. Um, maybe uh, not only did he have the money, but he also released her from her contract with Zero Records after her first hit single uh, charted. And it was clear that she was uh, destined for bigger things in Nashville. Norm Burley tore up the contract with Loretta and allowed her to go to Nashville. Was Norm Burley a Canadian? Yes. So Canadians are behind one way or the other, Loretta Lynn. Absolutely. And this is the, the bizarre part of this. It, you know, Loretta's story has is is, is always been told as an American rags-to-riches story. And I, I sometimes feel like the Canadian chapter of her career has been really downplayed and overlooked well i think that would uh, play better for, for, to american audiences and i think that's the point point. and yeah. we're speaking here to rob howitson right that's right rob howitson who is doing a talk next week in vancouver please give some more information about the talk and your website if people want more information yeah and so uh, it was myself and another Vancouver writer named Mike Harling who put together all this research. And uh, if you go to the website, uh, there's a lot of detail there about the different characters involved in this story. What is the website, Earl? Uh, yeah, it's honkytonkgirl.ca. And you are also going to give a talk next week in Vancouver. Yeah, that's right. And um, one of the things I, that I'm excited about in this talk is that I have some rare photos of uh, the show... Uh, the, well, we have one photo that shows the chicken coop. It's ex um, the chicken coop. Like I say, it was um, it was in a backyard of this guy's house, and uh, he used it as his um, sort of his private uh, rec room. Uh, so he he would invite friends and family there, and they would play pre often recorded music, and they would have dances. And then Johnny Zapp came along and used it for some of his uh, jam sessions. Um, uh, Mac McGregor worked just upriver at the uh, White Pine Sawmill, uh, which was in Vancouver. And um, when his uh, union went on strike at the sawmill, they would actually use the chicken coop as their union headquarters. And union workers, striking workers, could go there for a free sandwich and a haircut. 
And so this chicken coop was used for, it was like a, almost a community hall at times, um, but it was probably not much to look at, so there aren't many photos of it. And we have this one oblique aerial photo that's uh, high-res, and it shows clearly the chicken coop in the backyard of this uh, little property in Fraserview. Now, with coal miner's daughter, quote, although there are times when dramatic license must be used, a.k.a. we ain't going to acknowledge the coop and coal miner's daughter, what was the behind that record, uh, behind that letter right there. Although there are times when dramatic license must be used. David Skepner. Right, yes. Uh, so uh, Loretta wrote her autobiography uh, in 1976, I believe, and uh, she didn't write it because she's not a great writer, so she hired um, uh, New York Times journalist George Veshi to write the book, and unfortunately, uh, George uh, took Loretta at her word, and, and she probably recorded some interviews with him, and he just transcribed those to help create the book. He never picked up the phone to call Canada to ask what really happened. Had he done that, um, I think the book would have been very different, and the Hollywood film that was based on the book, which came out in 1980, Coal Miner's Daughter, a movie directed by Michael Apted and starring Sissy Spacek and Tommy Lee Jones, um, that movie might have been a little bit different as well, because currently, the, the way the movie turned out, or the way it was written, they completely did an end run around the Discovery story, and there's no mention of Vancouver, Canada, in that movie at all. I love the letter that you put on your site, although there are times when dramatic license must be used. When Don Grashi got that letter, he must have like felt really terrible, a.k.a. we ain't going to acknowledge you, sorry, goodbye. Yes. After the Loretta's book came out, Don and Chuck Williams were, were extremely disappointed. And when they heard the film was being made, they contacted the movie's producers, and they said, hey, we have information here you know, that can help you guys tell the story about how Loretta was discovered, and they chose to ignore that. Quote, Lynn rarely mentions the story to journalists. When has Loretta Lynn mentioned Vancouver? She's mentioned Vancouver to you, but when has she mentioned Vancouver to CMA World? Yeah, yeah, she'll mention, uh, she has mentioned Vancouver to journalists, uh, but it's always in connection with Norm Burley. It's always, uh, Norm Burley was, uh, because he was uh, an older gentleman with a white beard, she thought, he, and he was jolly and friendly towards her, she called him her Santa Claus. So she never hesitates to thank Norm in interviews, um, but she never thanks Don Grashy, and I've always thought that was strange. And today on the Nardwar Show, we have guest DJ Eddie Lasco playing every single, Rob, every single Zero re- Records release. Right, Ed? Well, I don't think we're going to be able to do it because we're running out of time. But still, what do you think about the Zero Record label? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I love hearing it. I Rob. love the name of the label. I love the name of the label. Um, it's it's a pity that uh, that um, it's it's really a shame that Don Grashi left Vancouver in a huff. Um, Zero Records. Um, he uh, Don Grashi had a falling out with Norm Burley, and uh, it's unfortunate that that happened. And 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 Don Grashi left the West Coast, and I don't think he ever really came back. And he took the story with him to his home in Thunder Bay, Ontario. It's great that the coop, the chicken coop, has an actual plaque that people can check out. Like this in Vancouver is where Loretta Lynn was discovered. It's amazing. Like you, Rob, commissioned a plaque. It's like Gassy Jack getting a headstone. It's amazing. 
we were extremely pleased uh, that the uh, Vancouver Heritage Foundation, uh, City of Vancouver, and a couple of local businesses uh, helped sponsor that plaque. Everyone came together in the community to make that happen, and so that was one of the, uh, I think, one of the most fun little stories that I've ever worked on down here. Now, here I have a little clip of a guy I tried to track down that played the chicken coop as well. Hello, friends. This is Hank the Hobo and all the boys in the band taking this opportunity to record it. Hello? Hello, is this the home of Hank the Hobo? I'm afraid not. This isn't um, Roy Christensen, Hank the Hobo? No, I'm afraid it isn't. Norman Merkel? No. 278? No, no, no. That's not the number I dialed. No, I'm afraid not. I didn't dial 278. Well, you might have done, but th- that's not what this number is. You don't know who Norman Merkel is. I haven't a clue who Norman Merkel is, okay? Why don't you care, though? I'm trying to track him down. Well, I'm sorry. I'm here from England. And I don't know who he is, okay? Look, I need to know who he is. I don't know who the fucking hell he is. Now shut up. Listen. Did you hear that clip of me and Hank the Hobo? Hello, Rob. Yeah, I just heard that clip. Um, So I was trying to find Hank the Hobo like many years ago, and I would have discovered that he played the coop, right? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know for sure. If he did play the coop, but I'd be surprised if he didn't. Well, in the article, you say, quote, Ernie Strayton of the 50s band, Hobo Hank and the Sons of the Delta, called it a rat hole, the coop. You're right. Ernie was definitely there. Whether he was there with the rest of the band, I'm not 100% sure, but Ernie's probably still alive. We could ask him. Ernie was known as Cousin Ern. And here I was trying to track down Hank the Hobo, and nobody was believing me. How hard was it to convince people, Rob, that Loretta Lynn started in Vancouver? Um, in a chicken coop, yeah. In a was, chicken coop. It was, it, yeah, I got some very strange reactions early on in the research. <laughs> And then I had to work up the nerve and go and knock on the door of the chicken coop house. And that took me a while. And and when I finally did, uh, a very friendly woman answered the door, and it turns out she works at the Vancouver Library, and she actually helped me research this story. Did she know about the legend of the chicken coop? She'd been tipped off because years earlier, the my my colleague now, Mike Harling, had gone looking for that story, and he had knocked on her door 10 years before I even knew the story existed. And there was some cable in the backyard still existing? Yeah. They did dig up some cable in the backyard, and it made them wonder if that was related to Mac McGregor's elaborate audio system, because he he loved collecting audio equipment back in the 50s and early 60s. Uh, Loretta Lynn did return to Vancouver. She cares about Grashy now? Like you told her, what does she remember about Grashy? Because you said to the Hard Rock or Red Robinson Theater, she did a shout-out to Grashy. She did, and I thought that was very uh, big of her. Um, uh, we had uh, met with her before her concert at the Red Robinson Theater back in 2013, and uh, we had given her a photo of the chicken coop, and I guess that uh, reminded her of Don Grashi, and when she got, got out on stage, she thanked Don. Um, it's just too bad that she couldn't thank him more publicly in other interviews and other situations. And we were speaking here to Rob Howitson all about the chicken coop in Vancouver where Loretta Lynn was discovered. And you have, Ed Lasco, a signed copy 
of Loretta Lynn's first record to Al Roosh. Did Al no, Roosh? No, no, no. That was a, that was signed to Al, but not Al Roosh. Um, Rob, do you know what uh, year Don Grashy paid it? Um, passed away. I think it was two thousand five. Did Al? So who is that? Where did you get that record, Ed? The Zero Records. Oh, I've got a lot of records in hardware. I don't know where they all came from. Actually, uh, after a while, I started writing it, uh, writing them down. Actually, you know, several of these records that we've been playing, I got from Don Grashy. And we again have DJ Eddie Lasco playing the entire discography of Zero Records, plus Rob, who is doing a talk on Loretta Lynn in Vancouver. But Rob, you're also into time capsules. There are some time capsules buried around Vancouver, and you've discovered some of them. Yes, that's right. Back in 2007, uh, the city was going to demolish, or they did demolish, uh, the old Sunset Community Center. And that, that, that was between Fraser and Main Street on 50, 51st Avenue, I think. And that was an old community center that had been built in 1950. Uh, Bing Crosby helped raise money to build that building. And um, just before they were going to demolish it, they suddenly realized that there had been a time capsule buried somewhere in the building, but they had forgotten where. So I went down to the city archives, and I found blueprints that showed where inside the gymnasium wall the time capsule was embedded. We, we pried it out of there. We took it to the archives. They carefully opened up this um, metal container. It was about the size of a martini shaker. And inside were some uh, some old newspaper clippings talking about the building being opened. And buried at the bottom of this canister, which we almost overlooked, were two reels of film, including one reel that showed Bing Crosby uh, arriving in Vancouver to do his benefit concert for the community center. Why did Bing care about Vancouver? Um, Someone, there was a connection to Bing, there was a Vancouver connection to Bing, and it was a welterweight boxing champion uh, whose name escapes me. He loved to uh, fish up here, and he also owned the, the Lansdowne Racetrack in Richmond. I did not know that. I knew there was a racing, horse racing connection to him from Vancouver, but I didn't know that. What is the Belshaw Gang? You give me a hint. Eve Lazarus's book. Cold Case Vancouver. You are part of the Belshaw gang, Rob. Am I? Oh, okay. Okay, so I think it's a gang of local historians who are pumping out a lot of interesting stories these days about Vancouver's history, particularly in that era of the 50s, the sort of uh, hard-boiled detective era and the film noir era. Uh, of the 1950s. And people can check out your website, honkytonkgirl.ca. That's right, for the the full Loretta story. And check you out next weekend. Sure. At what time and where? That's uh, at the Fraserview branch of the Vancouver Public Library uh, on Saturday, November 18th at 2 p.m. And also, if people want other uh, quirky stories about Vancouver, they can go to my blog, vancouvertrueborns.ca. There's a link going around that says Loretta Lynn is a liar. Oh, I I hadn't seen that. What do you think about that? Loretta Lynn is a liar. Uh, I don't think she tells a lot of lies, but, you know, she did shave a couple years off her age. (laughs) Boom. And she kind of now acknowledges the chicken coop, doesn't she? 
we're getting there. We're working on her. And uh, recently when we were promoting this talk next week, uh, we got a retweet from the people at Loretta's Ranch. And if people want to visit the plaque, where do they find the plaque? Where is it exactly? In Vancouver, it says, this is the chicken coop where Loretta Lynn started, where, where she was discovered. Yeah, yeah. So you got to go uh, to the last street in Vancouver, which is Kent Avenue. It runs along the river. And you're looking for the cross street of Elliott Street. So you go down the hill to the foot of Elliott Street at Kent and just walk east from Elliott on Kent. And there's a little walking path there and uh, look for the, uh, the rock with the plaque on it. Right now, we're going to end with the treetops. What can you say about the treetops? Do you know anything about the treetops? They were on zero records, Rob. I know nothing about the treetops, um, except uh, I think at one point, Don Grash, the treetops had done a song. I hope I have this right. The treetops had done a song, uh, a recording, uh, and it was running a little bit long for radio. So Don Grashy said to Norm Burley, the money man of Zero Records, can, will you let me go back down to L.A. so that we can shorten up that recording? And Norm Burley said, no, I don't want to pay for that. And that was the beginning of the TIFF. Um, that was part of the, the uh, conflict that Don Grashy had with Norm Burley. They had a falling out, and Don Grashy left Zero Records, and Zero Records collapsed shortly after that. I'm just looking right now at 0108, which is the Treetops' first record. Both sides were written by Don, and one clocks in at 2.58, and the other clocks in at 3.25, and both sides are duds. So if they had, if that was where the falling out was, boy, that's that just about brings tears to my eyes because it, that was so useless. And, and chopping time off of this... Wouldn't have helped. There was still going to be two dead sides. Okay. I hope I have the right record. Um, I, believe also- you, I believe you do. There, because I think uh, Dawn left right about then. Yes, it would be. Because Loretta's first Lynn, uh, or excuse me, Loretta Lynn's first record was 107. This is 108. And this is just exactly when, when Dawn left. So this is the record we're talking about. Okay. And then there were other issues between Dawn and Norm, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if we have time to go into them. Well, uh, come and see you next week at the Sunset Community Center, right? For sure. Uh, sorry, no, I'm not at the Sunset oh. Community Center. I'm at the Fraserview branch of the Vancouver Public Library. That's on Argyle Drive near Victoria Drive. Honkytonkgirl.ca. Well, thank you, Rob, for phoning into Nardwar's show. We're going to end with the treetops on Zero Records, who you described. Anything else you'd like to tell the people out there at all? Uh, no, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, I hope they can come to the talk and or go to the website, and I hope that uh, they'll check out my blog, VancouverTrueborns.ca. There's lots of interesting history about Vancouver that we have yet to uh, dig up. And more ca- time capsules to find, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you much, Rob. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do do loot do Do-do.
She got, she got the hoo la la, hoo la la, tree top, tree top. You make me feel so fine, tree top, tree top. I'm gonna make you mine, tree top.
you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with guest DJ Crazy Head. We also had Rob phone in earlier. We did. Talking all about Zero Records and the coop, the chicken coop. And speaking of the chicken coop, what did we just hear? Well, that was Loretta Lynn's first Zero record. That was Zero 107. And this record uh, charted nationally for her in the U.S. of A. And it went to number 14 and it was a big hit. lasted on the charts for nine weeks. Um, I Myself, I, I think... Um, you know, honky tonk was was a, a form of country music that basically had its day by say about fifty four. Uh, but I like to think that uh, it was punctuated uh, by um, Kitty Wells um, doing "It Wasn't God That Made Honky Tonk Women," and and uh, I guess maybe uh, an exclamation mark with Loretta Lynn's record, I'm a Honky Tonk Girl. And um, Zero Records, they were uh, on 1620 Barclay Street, Vancouver, B.C., Canada at the time. That was their second address. I do have their first Which ad- I asked you, I think or, probably... Or, or maybe that was the, the uh, first address. I think maybe it was the first address. I'll change my mind on that. They did have a second address, but I think that was it. And then they moved uh, after the big breakup between the, the money man and the music man. So the, in the, other the, words, the, um, Zero Records, Loretta Lynn... The Chicken Coop. Thank you, Zero Records, for Loretta Lynn. And also, I was going to mention, how many of these artists were we playing that were Canadian? Like, we played the Treetops to end a conversation with Rob. Were they Canadian, and how many artists on Zero were Canadian? Well, most of the uh, uh, of the label uh, were Canadian uh, records or Canadian artists. Or Arilla Mayers was Canadian. Brad Reynolds, of course, was Canadian. Uh, Sandy Loringer uh, was Canadian. Treetops uh, were a Vancouver band. Um, so actually most of them. What do we have, Ed, coming up right now? Well, we're going to play uh, Loretta's uh, second record for, for the Zero label. And um, Now, did this uh, get in a U.S. distro? Have you seen this pop up on lists, the Zero Loretta? Is there much bidding for Zero Loretta stuff? Well, a Honky Tonk Girl used to be a $100 record. Um, I think, uh, you know, going back quite a, quite a ways, maybe 17 years, uh, that it sold for maybe as much as 125 U.S. These days, I think you could probably buy a copy for about 75 bucks. So it's not like 2000 bucks for oh, a Stone Men. Well, you know, um, it was a hit record. That means there were copies sold. But on zero? Yes, of course on zero. How many? Actually, how many records were sold on zero? Um, Well, history doesn't tell us that. But, you know, it was a number 14 record. So, you know, that top 20, um, there were copies being sold. Uh, There is a rumor about that record that 500 copies were brought up to uh, Vancouver and they were sold at gigs and each and every one of them is autographed. And of course, uh, I think we've posted a picture of an autographed record. Yes, to Al 
and Al Rusha's 45 box, not related. Mm. And you can check that out at at Nardwar, N-E-R-D-W-A-R. Or tweet me if you want to talk to me or Ed or if you want to chime in on the Coop and Loretta Lynn. So right now, some more Lynn of the Loretta I was variety. Just, I was just going to say the uh, my copy of Honky Tonk Girl is uh, signed on the flip side and i like the way she signs her autograph it's capital l capital o so it's like low la oretta and here we go some low low loretta lynn on the nardwar to human serviette radio show with special guest dj yes it's crazy ed uh this is her second record which was a big hit record in vancouver um this did not chart local or excuse me nationally but in vancouver uh on cjor it was top 10 number nine and it was uh it played quite quite what a, year a long time um it had it would had a chart life of seven plus weeks because it's incomplete and nobody can give me any, inf- any information on it. This is my own research. Uh, this was issued in July of 1960, and it was and it hit locally in August of 1960. The Zero Record Story with guest DJ Crazy Ed. <laughs>
see on the hula hula groove of chasing me. I was shipwrecked on an island in the South Pacific Sea. Just a little tiny island, the foot it was a big enough for me. Cause the total population is exactly 95. Oh, there's 94 hula hula girls and I'm the only guy. All the hula hula girls are chasing me. Lucky, lucky me on a hooky line to see on the hula hula group chasing me.
To the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Yes, you are on air with guest DJ. What did we hear there, and what are we doing today, Ed? We are playing a lot of Zero Records releases, and you were saying the listeners are, well, I wouldn't say a privilege, but you are one of the few people in the world to have a Zero Records discography complete. Well, this is uh, the complete catalog. There were 12 uh, releases, and uh, I have them all right in front of me. Uh, we just played the last one, uh, The Darkest Day, uh, and uh, actually going to pack my troubles was 0112. The Darkest Day was uh, a huge hit in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, and probably nowhere else in the world. Uh, it hit number one on CJOR and uh, incomplete. Though it may be, uh, it, it was uh, 14 plus weeks on the chart. So I have a, that's a that's a long run. Um, anyway, uh, and the flip side, we played the flip side. Um, Going to pack my troubles is my favorite side of the record. And uh, you were mad at and me. A, and a great you were mad at me, Ed. Well, I was a little upset because Nardware was playing the wrong side of the record. And but, also, you love Trini Lopez, don't but you? We would have played. You that love anyway. Trini Lopez, don't you? Um, not as much as Nardware does. Baboom. No, Trini Lopez is important to you. Rare Canadian issue, right? Well, I, I do have one, but uh, I don't even remember mentioning that to you. Well, <laughs> you are at Lasco. We have to know your record collection. And um, before that, we played Hula Chase by Buddy Reynolds. Now, uh, the, the first two uh, records on the Zero record label which we already played came out as by brad reynolds 
but this one came out as by Buddy Reynolds. Actually, we should play the flip side of this, too, because this was a, a local hit, a, a double-sided hit. Um, the Hula Chase side was number five on CJOR, but the other side, uh, Walking With Me, um, spent two weeks at the number two slot. And again, these things are incomplete. Um, I've got uh, uh, Hula Chase uh, at two weeks plus, and the other side, Walking With Me, which we will get to at 14 weeks. So a huge hit for, uh, for Walking With Me. And uh, actually, a uh, girl from Ontario uh, did a version of this record. I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head. Um, nice that she uh, remembered the, uh, the record, and I guess got played back there as well. I just can't remember. Um, we are gonna rec- Recorded for the Canadian Capitol label. We are going to play the treetops who you think are a dud. This, you are so complete with zero records, we are even playing the duds, aren't we? Well, we're, we're, I guess we got a little uh, time to play uh, as some of the, the um, also-rans <laughs> uh, on the label. Anyway, this was the one that Rob was just talking about. This was, uh, this, um, uh, was uh, two, two sides which were very long and caused the, the uh, big rift between the, the money man. Uh, what was his name? Burley. Burley, uh, Mr. Burley and Mr. Grashy, and uh, of course they were Grashy's songs, so that was, uh, you know, uh, for a writer, uh, anybody who writes, well, their songs are kind of like their babies, you see, so uh, when the money man didn't want to go along with uh, Don's ideas about recutting it, that kind of hit close to home. And, and it's too bad that it, that, that it happened, because, you know, in my opinion, it's a dud song to begin with. But it's great that we are playing the duds, even the duds for zero. You are that uh, so much a completist. Just quickly, Ed, could you mention about George Jones not liking his duds? Um, George Jones didn't like uh, rock and roll. And uh, when his record company uh, kind of... Um, um, squeezed his arm a little bit and said, uh, uh, to to get him to record some uh, rock and roll with AKA Rockabilly. Uh, he did it under a pseudonym, Thumper, Thumper Jones. And he destroyed every copy he saw. And he destroyed every copy of the record he ever saw. And that's a very expensive record. I, I can only wish that I owned an original of that one. And in the spirit of destroying records, here is, <coughs> we won't destroy this record, but here is a dud on zero records. Yeah, that, what's uh, this one called? Uh, the Fastest Gun. But this is uh, by the Treetops. And like I said, this was uh, written by Don Grashy. And again, Don Grashy was a guy that discovered Loretta Lynn, and that is the purpose of today's show. And you can check out and learn all about how Loretta Lynn settled, well, actually started in Vancouver. She settled at in the Chicken Rock, Coop. Washington at the Chicken Coop. So here is the tree. The treetops. Fastest gun. Fastest gun. Never 
back from none The legend's old and goes way back when the West was very young And here is what old timers say about the fastest gun Fastest gun There was a time when the West was wild and the gun was man's best friend He used it to defend his life for me But some were reckless, some were thieves who had approved their work And those who found their guns too slow were buried in the earth Fastest gun Now the fastest gun was never one who went looking for a fight He never drew to kill a man till he knew that he was right But fate was never kind to men who drew a gun too fast And the future wasn't worth a dime, just as worthless as their past Fast is gone All through the West the story spread, they said he was the best And everyone who thought it wrong went looking for a test No longer could he live in peace among his fellow men For every fast gun in the West had made a different plan Fast is gone They picked a fight and lapped him down until he had to drop And the price they paid were the lives they gave for flesh was all they saw. He knew his life was growing short, he lived from draw to draw. And they friend this man I'd kill as soon and he'd live outside the law. Fast is gone. One early morning he rode from town with the rising of the sun. And to this day no more was heard about the fastest gun Some claimed he put his guns away and even changed his name But the legend of the fastest gun still lives on just the same
walking beside me I still pretend you love only me so wherever I go wherever I wander I'm never alone you're walking with me Walking beside me, walking beside me, I'm never alone, I'll never be free, I want it this way, I want to be near you, I'm never alone, you're walking And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show with special guest TJ. Daddy J! What did we just hear, Eddie J? Well, that was a, a record by Buddy Reynolds uh, from Vancouver, and um, that one was uh, a huge local hit. Um, number two on CJOR for 14 plus weeks in um, March and well, February and March of 1961. And what is the connection to Zero Records? And he wrote it himself. It was Zero One One One, a second last Zero record. Amazing, and that's what we we have been doing today. Well, I think we're when we play this uh, next cut, which is going to be Zero One O Six, we will have played the whole entire label, at least one side of uh, of of each record, and with some of them, we played uh, both sides. And don't forget, we played that uh, extremely rare Zero Subsidiary, which was the um, jury label, and that was the the Sandy Loringer record. What are we going to end with right now, Ed? Well, this is Don Grashy's great big hit. This is the one that um, uh, established uh, Don in the U.S. of A. and... um, and got him a lot of contacts. When he left Vancouver, he went, uh, I think he went back home for a while to Thunder Bay, but then he went down to L.A., and he was in L.A. for quite a while. He became um, uh, friends with uh, Gary Paxton, and uh, he collaborated with uh, Gary Paxton on a bunch of records. Uh, His career goes on into the uh, late 60s. He gets involved with a bunch of Calgary bands, um, he's, he's doing, uh, punk rockers. He's doing, uh, um, 49th parallel, the f- plague. The, yes. The 49th and the, and of course the plague. And I got copies of the plague from Don in uh, Vancouver. I got, well, he's mailed them to me. He was uh, back home in Thunder Bay. I didn't know that he was very sick at the time. And of course it wasn't long afterwards that he passed away. Anyway, this, this is, uh, the, the record that, that, uh, like I say, established on, um, in the United States and got him a lot of, uh, fame and notoriety. It was covered by a lot of people. Don told me himself how many people had covered this song and it's, uh, it was kind of phenomenal, although I can't remember it. 
This one on the country uh, charts went to number five in, uh, on the U.S. country charts and was a charted record for 20 weeks. This was on the original release back in January 55. And, of course, in, in January 60, Dawn re-released it on 0106. This is Ginny Wright and Tom Tall. Tom Tall, you might re- recall, did a fabulous rockabilly called Stack of Records. And this is uh, Dawn's big hit. Are you mine? The complete Zero Records discography. Thank you, DJ Ed Lasco, and thank you, Rob, for telling us about the coop, the chicken coop, where Loretta Lynn started, was signed in Vancouver, and you can visit the coop. You're going to visit the coop, aren't you, Ed? Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Ed. Why should people care about DJ Eddie Lasco and Zero Records? Well, I, I don't think I'm important at all, but uh, Zero Records is kind of interesting, um, or not, depending on where you're coming from and how you feel about everything. Well, thank you very much, Ed. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do do loo do 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 Joy when I am sad Tell me darling are you mine And only mine Are you mine Yes I am All the time Yes I am Mine alone Yes sirree All my own Yes sirree No one else will ever do I'll be yours and I'll be true Don't worry dear Have no fear cause I'm yours Are you mine Tell me dear Will I always have you heart just like in mine will you give as well as take keep the vows that you will make tell me darling are you mine and only mine are you mine yes i am all the time yes i am mine alone yes sirree all my own yes sirree no one else will ever do i'll be yours and i'll be true don't worry dear have no fear cause i'm you're poor tell me darling are you sure will you whisper yes i do and forever love me true will you honor and obey will you promise not to stray tell me darling are you mine and only mine 